quit scratching those itches and listen to Career Bitches. Your resident career bitches. Your girl's Friday for advice, amazingly useful and amusing banter for anything and almost everything related to your career. They cut through the bullshit and all the workplace drama. Now give it up for these mamas. Hello and welcome to episode two of season three of Career Bitches. Today, unfortunately, I am alone as a host, as Anne couldn't be with us, but I have an amazing guest, Stephanie Ferguson, who I'm going to have introduce herself in a moment, and then we will get to our weekly bitch and a fantastic conversation around the U.S. job market and what it looks like right now, the trends that she's seeing, and kind of what's ahead possibly for 2023. So this is going to be a great episode. I'm really excited. But first, Stephanie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, Marcel, thanks for having me today. Um, Stephanie Ferguson here from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, I handle some of our global employment issues there, um, and that runs the gamut from unemployment insurance policy, international labor. Something really exciting I've been working on lately is diving into the current labor market and the workforce shortages. So I'm really excited to talk about that today. Before my time, at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I was with Amazon, and before that, I was on the Hill. Excellent. Thank you so much. And we're also very excited because this is a topic that a lot of our clients, of course, are concerned about or ask us questions about. And since you're watching these things all the time, I think it's going to be a great conversation. So thank you for being here today. Um, So the thing that I wanted to do today for the Weekly Bitch um, which sadly is just me complaining about it, is meetings. And that's because all of, you know, our clients and I have friends and others who I hear constantly complaining about how many meetings they have and how unnecessary so many of them are. And this is true, I think, both across the government to the private sector and everything in between, um, where meetings are sort of feel like, a holdover from the past. And that's the way people think you have to, you know, operate to get things done when in fact something can often be done by just a phone call or even an email or a text message. And it just, I just been hearing a lot of folks saying that it's been hard because they can't get their work done because their days are filled with meetings and then the work doesn't get done. And unfortunately, I think maybe because of the pandemic, it's even become more widespread. And so, yeah, that's kind of, that's what I wanted to complain about today. And um, I think it's bad that I'm hearing so many people saying, I spent all my day in meetings or still 12 hours on Zoom calls to work remotely. And then it's like at night, that's the time to get the work done, which is crazy because that's not how it should be, right? Like you should still be able to have a life and not have meetings overtake your entire day and all the time you have to work. So um, anyway, that's my weekly bitch, but I'm going to get into this conversation because I really would rather hear from Stephanie than myself talking to me. Um, So can you talk to us a little bit, Stephanie, about 
like what a labor shortage is exactly for folks who are listening who don't know, and then kind of, you know, how you figure out what the trends are or what projections might be for the future? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, So like you hinted, we are in a labor shortage right now. And we define that by looking at a bunch of the metrics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So what we're finding is that we have a lower labor market participation rate today than we did before the pandemic. And we compare the number of individuals who are working and who are unemployed and the number of job openings that we have to really understand the labor shortage. So I'll throw a couple of quick numbers at you. Right now we have 9.9 million job openings and we only have 5.8 million unemployed individuals. So that means that even if every person who was unemployed was able to fill a job, we would still have about 4 million open jobs out there. We simply don't have enough folks to fill all of our needs. And that means that we have a labor shortage. Another really easy way to put all these big numbers into perspective is this tool that we've come up with called our um, worker shortage index. And right now, thinking of all those numbers, we have that index at a 0.72. What that means is that for every 100 open jobs that we have, there are only 72 workers available to fill those jobs. So simply labor shortage, not enough workers. That is fascinating and because you hear people just generally saying, like, we have a labor shortage, but to hear those numbers makes it that much more real. Um, and it's fascinating to me. So if, you're, if you say that you only have 72 people to fill 100 roles, what are those gaps, right? Like, what are the, either the skills or the expertise that you find are most often missing? Are there particular ones? Yeah, I think it's a combination of we have skills that are missing, we have experience that are missing, and we really have people that are missing. Um, I'll dive into the latter first. So during the pandemic, we saw thousands of people leave the workforce. Um, Of course, there was a huge spike in unemployment, and businesses were closing down, but also people were able to save a lot of money. So we saw a lot of people retire early, especially those that had a lot of experience in the labor market. So we saw kind of a skills drain, if you will. Um, a lot of women left the workforce. One number I saw during the pandemic was 1 million women. Um, they had to stay home, of course, to care for kids or others in the family. Um, and a lot of people also just adjusted to a lower um income need. So we've seen some folks stay out of the labor force because their partner now makes enough money. Um, Now that individuals have been living off of their savings for a little bit longer, we may see this reverse. We are seeing some folks who retired early re-entering the workforce. Um, But these are trends that we'll have to keep a closer eye on moving forward. Um, But you did hit on it too. A lot of skills are missing. Um, This is from a lag of folks retiring from the workforce and those younger folks filling in those gaps Um, and just a mismatch between the skills that folks have either from learning on the job or in education and geographically where they're filling the open jobs. It's not always um, apple to apple comparisons, right? You may have somebody in Texas that have a, a skill, but that job opening is actually up in Nebraska. That's interesting too. I hadn't, and I hadn't thought about, that because, you know, there's so much focus now on 
the remote piece, but there's still so many jobs that have to be local, right? Where you have to be in person, you know, like in a manufacturing facility or so many other types of roles, um, like hospitals and so forth. And I, I had been, again, kind of been sensing and hearing that from clients where people were kind of retiring early. So that's interesting to hear that now you're seeing folks actually that have done that coming back to work for various reasons. Um, and the women piece, of course, um, is interesting and hopefully that will happen with women as well. Um, so I think, I guess, are there particular skills, like for people who are thinking maybe they did like women who left, right. Or maybe even thinking about, or retirees, like reskilling or upskilling and trying to do, um, something different than they were doing before, like making a pivot. Do you find that that seems to be happening or are people still trying to sort of go back to what they were doing before? I certainly think that people are entering into new fields um, or industries or even just changing jobs of their previous industry. So some numbers that point to this is the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks quit rates and hiring rates. And even amid this big labor shortage, um, what we've seen is that hiring rates continue to outpace quit rates. So yes, people are leaving their jobs. Um, people are, are exiting perhaps their industry, but the positive sign is that we continue to, to get hired into occupations and industry. So what we've looked at, what we think is happening is more of a great reshuffle. Folks have left the job that they were in either previous to the pandemic or during it, and have entered into a new job. May that be a new skill that they picked up um, over the past couple of years, or perhaps some folks went back to school. And I'm glad that you touched on the, um, the nursing side of things, the healthcare side of things. That industry um, is suffering the most from the labor shortage. We hear from our members all day, every day, from nearly every state, that there is a shortage of all professionals, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and this is having a real drag on the entire healthcare industry. But while that sounds negative, there's a lot of opportunity for folks who want to enter this field, either in an entry-level position or folks who you said may want to take a pivot. Um, I think that individuals can look at their timeline um, and the amount of return on investment they want to make. We know that it takes about one to two years for a licensed practitioner nurse uh, to be certified. And these candidates can leave uh, that certification process making anywhere from forty to $70,000 a year. To become a registered nurse takes a little bit longer, but that median salary is $65,000 a year. So people who want to get into a industry that has a dire need and where there's a lot of job security can take a, a year or more of certification and training and get into some high paying roles. That's great to hear because um, I hadn't realized the shortage was across healthcare. You know, you hear about nurses a lot, right? But that's, that's fascinating. And I, um, and so I wonder, cause I know in the past, like for nursing programs, for example, a lot of, um, there would be a lot of incentives to get people in the door, you know, as certified nurses. Are you seeing that in different companies, whether it's healthcare or even other industries where 
there are shortages, like providing incentives for people to join or maybe paying for professional development or certifications? I um, haven't seen like a comprehensive trend, but anecdotally, yes, I've heard that employers in need are certainly raising wages. Um, I've heard that some are offering innovative benefits like paying for certifications or uh, continued education. It's a really dynamic labor market right now, and job seekers can fully take advantage of that. That's great. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, we often get the question like, is now a good time to look for a job or to make a pivot and do, you know, some kind of career change. So that's really encouraging, I think. And the, for those of you listening, um, that's an important thing to think about. Like if you have a passion for something and especially a field that's in demand where there are shortages, it's probably worth it to go out there and see what's available and what benefits and incentives you might get out of it too, to join that um, labor force. Perfect. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So we did talk about healthcare being very much in demand. And of course, you always hear about tech um, jobs being in demand. Can you tell us about some, um, what your research shows in terms of other industries or even specific roles that are currently in demand? Of course, there are some really high skilled occupations that are in demand right now. We're seeing this in financial activities. Um, and this is a little bit interesting. We know that business degrees and, and MBA degrees are in high demand. A lot of uh, younger individuals are still um, pursuing business degrees in education. And yet there is a huge labor shortage in the financial activities and business services fields. Um, this is likely because even when you leave your formal education with this um, with a credential for these industries, um, many people need that that on the ground experience. You know, years of training and just being um, part of the institution. And so, when we have a lot of the older generation, the baby boomer generation, retiring or even getting ready to retire, the individuals who are just getting out of college or even grad school are not ready to fill those roles. They need a few years before. Um, they can they can take on that responsibility or uh, need um, just based on on time in the field. Um, so yes, we need more high skilled workers and um, very like fine tuned skills, but we also need folks that have um, specific skills. We hear about truck drivers are in great need and they're so important. They move our goods across. Um, the United States and and there's a high demand for those candidates as well. And there's also a high demand for entry level jobs. Um, the leisure and hospitality industry, they have a high quit rate. I will caveat with an even higher hiring rate, but because this is an entry level mostly industry, a lot of people come in and either they move around to different employers or businesses within the industry or they're in this in they, you know, leave to a different industry um, to upskill along the way. That's And that's great. I'm so glad you touched on that because a lot of times, um, you know, on this podcast, we're talking about more of like the skilled worker, like, you know, well, years of experience, I should say, not skilled versus unskilled, but um, people with years of experience. So thank you for highlighting that because I think 
it's important for folks to realize that if there is that shortage right at the entry level, that there are opportunities there. Because I know that a lot of graduates, even that we have worked with, will say, you know, that they have so much trouble finding a job and they try all different kinds of things. And I think sometimes maybe they're just looking in the wrong places. And so that's a great idea is to kind of, maybe that's a space, you know, to get your feet wet and get some experience and then see what happens from there. Because there's so many roles you could take on within leisure and hospitality, of course. Absolutely. And I think, um, People can be really opportunistic about looking for a job and a job that they want right now. Um, there are some indicators out there that you can be really savvy to find the best place that may be a little bit less competitive to get your foot in the door. Um, you want to look for cities or states that have high growth in job openings or businesses moving there, high wage growth, but low unemployment rates. That means that people are getting jobs people are working and businesses are hiring. That's really good news. Very good news. And you're seeing that like across cities in the U.S. or in particular areas? Absolutely. Um, I checked the numbers this morning and right now, going back to that worker shortage index, there are only five states that have a worker shortage index over one. That means that only five states in the U.S. right now have more individuals that are looking for jobs or available to work than job openings. Wow. So the rest of the states, they need more workers. Yeah, that's incredible. Only five. Wow. Oh, yeah. That, that is amazing. Yeah, so I guess, and that's a good thing too, because to know, um, because I think, you know, as a result of the pandemic, I'm sure you've seen this as well and heard a lot of anecdotes in this way um, with people moving you know, to maybe a lower cost place in the U.S., different states, different cities or towns. Um, and I think that's still continuing because people are still seeking remote work and realizing they can work from anywhere. So they save money by working in maybe a more rural location or or getting out of New York or San Francisco. So um, that's that's encouraging to know that in, what, 45 states you need to, you might really have a good chance at finding a job. Yeah, I think it's all about just being open to new opportunities um, and and looking at the indicators out there to make a wise decision when you're when you're juggling where you want to live, where you want to work, who you want to work for. Um, I think that the opportunities are endless. Everyone's struggling with a labor shortage. And I think people looking for new opportunities can take advantage of that. Yes. Absolutely. And sometimes it's just like we find this with a lot of folks. It's it's taking that first step, right? Like, I mean, we help people with resumes and um, LinkedIn profiles and interviewing and things, but it is scary to put yourself out there and just try something new or just even just put yourself out there to do the same thing that you've always been doing. And um, so I think this news will be very helpful for people to realize, well, the data is saying that there are these opportunities, right? And they need people to take advantage of them. So why not me? So I like that idea that, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and see what's out there in these different places. Um, I guess one of my other questions I had for you, Stephanie, was kind of which talent pools you're seeing in the U.S. are the most maybe overlooked, right? Like 
there there is existing talent and people are just not or companies are not taking advantage of that. This is some work that we do at the chamber that I um, am really passionate about. We have um, kind of an initiative to help employers tap into talent pools that may have been overlooked in the past. And I'll have a couple of those for you. Um, One overlooked talent pool are individuals who have been previously incarcerated, um, second chance hires. We have heard from um, members and read lots of surveys that say that second chance uh, employees are known to work harder or just as hard as their non-second chance um, colleagues. We know that these folks have a lot riding on their employment opportunities um, and just need someone to extend the opportunity. Um, so not only is the talent pool really beneficial to this group of our society, but it's beneficial for employers. They, they get hardworking um, employees and there are tax credits that business can take advantage of. So, I mean, it's, it's a win-win-win situation. This is also true for uh, businesses that are looking to hire individuals with disabilities or who experience neurodivergence. Um, military veterans is another big group that sometimes are overlooked because um, military skills don't always perfectly match up with, with civilian skills, um, but they're there and they likewise are great employees. And there's many benefits to business, including some tax credits. Um, I think another group that businesses really need to look out for are individuals who have been unemployed for long-term. These folks are at risk for entering into what we call a detached from the labor force. Um, And then resources are not always as available. Um, And yet they still have the skills from when they were in the labor force, however many months ago before they left. And then finally, um, parents. There was a childcare crisis during the pandemic. Thousands of childcare facilities closed down and a lot of parents, a lot of women had to stay out of the labor force to care for their family. Um, we're working really hard to help solve the childcare problem. And um, I think that this is a tool that, or rather a talent pool that business should should certainly look to tap into and continue tapping into. That's that's great to hear, and I um, I do want to ask you about that for sure. Um, I but I did want to say first the fourth group you mentioned the uh, like people who've been unemployed long term I think is fantastic to bring attention to because we do see that where you know whether it's a parent or a caregiver or somebody who for whatever reason has been out of um the workforce for a long time or was laid off and just couldn't find, hasn't been able to find a job. You know, when we have clients like that, it, it is like such a, of course, demoralizing um, feeling and it's really hard for them to kind of get the energy and ability to be, be confident in, you know, when they interview and apply for things um, and just aren't comfortable networking. So I wonder, um, if there are, have you seen if there are programs for people like that by any chance that to kind of, that might be outside of the work of the chamber. So I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm just curious if you've heard of any through your work. 
There are great state programs that are funded um, publicly. I mean, we have um, programs that go state by state that work with folks that are unemployed um, to get them matched up or reskilled and entered back into the workforce. I would encourage um, individuals who have been unemployed long term to reach out to your state workforce agency and see what resources are available to you. Excellent. That's great advice. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people just feel like they're alone and they don't know what to do, right? And it's like they start talking to their friends and then that kind of dries up and it's like, well, what do I do now? Yeah, it can be super scary um, when you're in that position and and especially if you haven't interviewed for a while. I mean, it's nerve wracking no matter how long ago your last interview was. Um, But again, I think that the silver lining here is that there are a lot of job openings and businesses are hungry to hire. Also, always great news to hear. And you mentioned the parents, which is a lot of our audience as well and client base. So I wondered, you mentioned that you're doing a lot to help with kind of the child care issues. Can you talk a little bit about some of those initiatives? Of course. Um, our, uh, I would encourage everyone to go check out the U.S. Chamber uh, website and our foundation's website. We are looking for innovative ways um, that the government can help and that businesses can help provide um, avenues for caregivers to access childcare. Um, I would have to get back to you with some more uh, concrete examples. They are escaping me at the moment, Um, but there are a lot of ways that we can all partner to ensure that we have adequate infrastructure in place. Yeah, that's great. No, and directing people to the site, I'm sure they can find out information if they're interested. I'm just, I'm personally like interested in that because living overseas, you see like other countries do things so differently in terms of what they allow both, you know, mothers and fathers as far as um, maternity and paternity leave and being able to come back to their job even after a year or more, which is so different than the U.S. So it's encouraging to hear that. I know, I mean, I know I've heard Congress is looking at it, but it's nice that there's being, there's pressure being put from a lot of different angles to make changes to allow parents to come back to work. Because I love what you said earlier, which is, you know, all of these five groups that you mentioned employers need to realize that these are super motivated folks who like have a lot to offer and just their situations shouldn't be a barrier. And so I I really think that's important. Um, So I guess like the final topic I really wanted to hit on because it's something everybody was concerned about at the beginning or the end of the year, I would say in the beginning of this year, which started with like the tech layoffs, right? And you're reading about it in the news and it's like, some people say it's not a big deal. Some people think it is and it's going to continue and nothing's going to change and there's going to be a recession and all this like downer news. I'm wondering from what you're um, looking at day to day, do you see additional layoffs expected in the future Or do you think things are pretty stable or is it hard to tell? Well, it's hard to tell only because I don't have a crystal ball, right? But (laughs) um, I wish I did. But I think the good news here is that the 
the headline layoffs that we're seeing are not emblematic of the broader labor market. And I say this because we have businesses are employing more people today than they were employing pre-pandemic. And we see a low, relatively low unemployment rate, and we're still seeing those high hiring rates. And all this points to the fact that businesses had to upscale really quickly um, during the height of the pandemic. And now they're using a slowing economy to right-size their labor force. I think that the news is still good. We still have um, good job creation and a lot of, of open opportunities for people looking for work. That is also great news um, because uh, I think, you know, I see a lot of posts from people who are saying, especially, I mean, I guess it's also a na- by nature of the people that I'm connected to, but, you know, a lot of, um, say, people like in HR and recruiting um, or the tech field in different spaces, like whether it's customer success or sales you know, out there, like getting laid off still and looking for work. Um, But I think that, so that's good to hear that it's not like something that we can expect to continue. And that when you say that the unemployment rate's so low and the hiring rate's high, and then the numbers you gave in the beginning, as far as how many jobs actually are available and how many fewer people are available for them should tell you, you know, you as in the audience that um, there are many opportunities and you just sometimes you just takes a while and you have to keep looking, which I know is hard for people to hear. And um, we get a lot of emails from clients who are like, I've been sending out my resume for a month and I haven't heard anything. And sometimes you got to look at your strategy and maybe think creatively. And, you know, as you've alluded to, there might be other industries that are looking for people that might require a certification or even less um, courses. And maybe you can pivot and use the knowledge that you already have to leverage into a new area and transfer those skills. So I think this is all really good news. I I don't know. I kind of expected going into this that you'd be giving us some upsetting statistics, but that's not the case at all. So I think that's really good news for our audience, Stephanie, and I really appreciate you coming to talk with us today and and share all of your knowledge. Um, and if people want to find out more about you and the chamber, what's the best, best place that they can go to? uschamber.com. Uh, we have an entire initiative called the America Works Initiative and data centers that really dive deep into the numbers and explain uh, the current situation and offer a lot of guides to businesses. So if you're looking to find out any more information on the labor market and um, what businesses are doing um, to respond to the labor market shortage, I encourage you to check out our work there. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll definitely include that in the show notes for this episode. And we really appreciate your time, taking the time out of your work day to talk to us today. And uh, we will see you next time. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It was, a, it was a great conversation. The Career Bitches are eternally grateful to our producer, Joe Tropea, at Hari Cover Productions, based in beautiful Baltimore City, for his bullshit-free feedback and constant support. 
We would also like to thank Micro Kingdom for their musical genius and providing our theme music. You can check out more of their extra cognitive spiritual magnetism at www.microkingdom.com. A new episode of Career Bitches drops every Monday morning to start your work week. And you can listen to us bitch on demand on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you find your podcasts.